We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And we're uh, at a point of free agency where the picture of what the 2020-2021 Lakers are going to be is starting to emerge more and more. And I am incredibly excited about it. There's some things that have been announced. We've got the Dennis Schroeder trade, Wes Matthews at the time of recording. Nothing else has been announced at the time of this recording, but we do have a couple of other reports. Uh, In this pod, I really want to talk about part of why I'm so excited about this team is I've been thinking about the idea of being a star in your role. And there are a lot of guys that we've either officially already added or have been reported that are are coming that are a star at doing what they do. They are, there's a lot of fastest, most explosive, a lot of superlatives that in what they do, they, uh, they have a lot of ESTs at the end of what they do or right. That they're shooters. One of the fastest point guards in the NBA, uh, you know, Wes Matthews is very stocky and, and stout, right? And we'll get to some of the reported guys as well. But uh, 
let's get up to speed on what's happened since last time we had had a show. So Darius, where, where do we stand at the time of recording? So as you said, Pete, the Lakers have actually announced that they have traded Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. So Schroeder is in. They have also announced that they have signed Wes Matthews to, I believe, a one-year deal. The one-year deal part is being reported. I don't think the Lakers confirmed that, but I haven't actually looked at the report. So shame on me there. <laughs> um, and so Wes Matthews is is in. There's been a slew of other moves that have been reported, however, right? And so the Lakers have reportedly agreed to a deal with Montrez Harrell, formerly of the Clippers. They have reportedly agreed to a deal with Mark Gasol in terms of trying to get Mark Gasol on to the team. The Lakers have reportedly traded JaVale McGee to the Cleveland Cavaliers and will receive back Alfonso McKinney, who is a wing player, small forward, and Jordan Bell, who is sort of a combo four or five, but more of a power forward type. And so there's been further reporting about what will happen to those players who uh, Jordan Bell may be waived. Alfonso McKinney may be kept on the team. Um, but you're now looking at a potential roster that's going to not only include Dennis Schroeder and Wes Matthews, but will include Mark Gasol and Montrez Harrell. And also the Lakers have reportedly agreed to bring back Contavious Caldwell Pope. So that's a lot of action since the last time we recorded on Friday. It's been, we said this, right, guys, that we were expecting sort of a fast moving, fast and furious free agency period. And that's exactly what we've seen. As you were saying that, Darius, the email and tweet came out from the Lakers about Contavious Caldwell Pope. So that is now hey. official um, at the time of recording when people are listening to this. Of course, this will have been old news, but that was a key one. And we mentioned that a couple of days ago, the last time that we recorded that, especially when losing Danny Green, that KCP's ability to play both ends is the way that he flows off LeBron and AD on offense, the way that he can chase and pressure guards around the perimeter. Those are all extremely critical to how the Lakers want to play. And also I think it, it, this now enables them. If you just take a group that closed games for the Lakers last year was at times LeBron, AD Caruso, Kuz and KCP. And now Sometimes it was green in for Kuzma or, you know, somebody else may have been in there. Markeith Morris in the playoffs, Rondo at certain times. But I like the fact that they have at least one really good lineup of guys that has played together that do yeah. know that what the structure of the team is that can then plug in a guy, whether it's a shooter or whether it's a, a Matthews, whether it's one of the reported um, players that's coming in. So it's this mix Pete of continuity, um, at least enough continuity from, from your running back championship roster, but you also get legitimately major talent upgrades um, in Man. other parts of the roster. So they, I really, I really appreciate the way that Palenka um, threaded the needle uh, in this context. And it's definitely exciting to envision how this team is going to play together. Look, man, and I'm probably going to beat this idea to death. So I apologize in advance for the, how many times I'll probably say this, this upcoming season, uh, the, an NBA season can go sideways in dozens of different ways. There's a lot of work that needs to be done between now and the ultimate goal. 
But in terms of talent on this roster, this is a phenomenally put together roster. And it it's to that point, Mike, of the that idea of continuity, that idea of building off of something that's already established. And then everybody that we brought in specializes in something. And that's why I very much have approached, and we still got a couple more roster spots to fill out, of course, but I've approached this team and an off season from the idea of, I want to look back on it rather than than every individual move on its own. The, the idea of this team is LeBron and Anthony Davis and everybody else has to fill a role to some degree, right? I think the term, and Rob mentioned this on a press conference, in his press conference recently, recently, the idea of being a role player can be a pejorative, right? But the idea of being a star in your role is role players are asked to do certain things, right? Like if I want to run high ball screens, I might not give the ball to Wesley Matthews, right? And that's not what he does. That's not, but if I need somebody to body up a wing and make sure that he doesn't get up, give up ground or check a cutter, that's, I know who I can call. I've got somebody on the bench who's one of the best in the game at doing that. Just that particular aspect of the game. Mark Gasol, right? I was one of the things I was a little sad about, and this is ironic considering how we, the conversation about him for years was, is Rondo's departure. There being a little bit of a brilliance and wizardry kind of, kind of walking out, out of the door, right? Of these, these like super high IQ guys, even for the NBA. And Mark Gasol is one of those guys. He's one of the smartest. He's, he's to me, like, I'm curious what you think of this, having seen a lot of this guy play. To me, he's a lot like Warriors Andrew Bogut, but capable of spacing the floor, right? He's going to average like six points and five rebounds and going to have an amazing plus minus because he knows how to defend. He knows he's an excellent playmaker. You can run elbow series. You can run delays. We can run a lot more set offense than we did last year with him as kind of a, a trigger man for a lot of those plays rather than just relying on, on LeBron to do that. So it just adds like different dimensions to the team. And you go to Harold is, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Harold. He's the guy that I've watched the most tape on so far at the time of recording, but everybody does a thing. And they do it really well. They do that thing. And there are sometimes when that thing's not going to be appropriate, where, th where that guy gets his butt kicked by this particular team because he doesn't match up well. You don't have to go to that guy. You've got somebody else that you can go to that does kick ass at the thing that counters that. Like we were talking about Jokic in the last pod. Right. And like, well, we got a, a big body for Dwight. Marcus Gasol is one of the best Jokic defenders in the NBA the Jokic and Bede types, the types that they can give AD a problem. Like Mike's right. We were talking on the last pod about how like AD is going to win some of those battles because he's Anthony freaking Davis, right? But Jokic will win more of those battles against AD than AD gives up against almost anybody, right? Now you got somebody and you don't have to have True. AD banging with him. You know what I mean? And so just, I am through the roof excited about the, the different shape-shifting possibilities of this team. That idea of shape-shifting is something that the Lakers relied heavily on last season, right? And I think this is where it bears mentioning the guys that the Lakers lost, right? And so Danny mm -hmm. Green is gone, and Dwight Howard is gone, and JaVale McGee is gone, and Rajon Rondo is gone. 
the Lakers have effectively replaced pretty much all of those players um, with either a guy who's in-house who is stepping up. I would imagine that like, for example, a guy like Alex Caruso or even KCP would take over for the Bradley role, which is effectively what we saw mm-hmm. last season to close the year during the playoffs and the restart when Bradley did not go to, to Orlando. But in terms of like player archetypes, right? The Lakers have replaced those guys um, mm-hmm. and added and, but with those guys, the players who will become coming in, they all have a different type of skill set as well that can be added into the mix that that can further diversify what this team can be. Now, there are some ways that you could argue that this team may take a, like a step or a half a step back defensively, but they're on paper, at least they project to be able to take, you know, two, three steps forward offensively, which is a massive boon for a team that just won the NBA championship. And that Mike last pod, you read that, Palinka quote to me about complacency and how he was not going to allow that to creep in and the idea that they were going to be aggressive in the free agent market. And I'd love to get your thoughts on just from a mindset perspective, because when we talked about running it back, there was this idea of, you know, some change is good, too much change could be tricky, but as long as they're upgrading, you would probably be happy. Are are you, I don't want to assume that reported moves are, are going to be final, but in projecting out with the type of change that the Lakers are projecting to make, make here, what is your mindset around the makeup of the team and positives versus, versus negatives steps forward versus steps back and all of that? It all makes a lot of sense. And that's the first thing with, with and there hasn't been a move that's been either reported or officially put out by the team. That's been a head scratcher, uh, which, you know, in, in year, in a, I guess a couple of years ago and years past, right. There was, there was a player or two acquired <laughs> where it, it, it just was kind of not quite adding up, but all everything that we've seen so far adds up pretty nicely on paper. So what, what we have on paper so far is excellent. In terms of continuity, we'll see if, uh, for example, Marquise Morris is still out there. Um, he's as a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent. So that's a, you know, is he a possibility to return? Um, we don't know yet. Uh, and uh, there's, let's see, one other, oh, Jared Dudley, right? Like having another veteran holdover who was so key in the locker room. Like if there's a, a spot for him, that would be nice too, to just increase that continuity. But there is enough continuity, as I mentioned with the, the first comment, with being able to close games with that five that knows how to play together. And by the way, Montrez Harrell signing official um, that that yes. uh, people people now will. Uh, it, I do. We just got the email from the Lakers, so um, that that one is official as well. And as Pete mentioned, we'll do a whole podcast um, on Harrell and just all of the stuff that goes around that. But touching uh, on him, wait. touching on him within this context, it's just. 
I what what I'm curious to see is now that you have Harrell and Schroeder, that in its own right is can be a screen roll <laughs> offense, right? But what you don't want, I, I think you don't want to get too far into that like the Clippers did last year, where it was sort of Lou Williams and Harrell did their thing, and then Kawhi and Paul George ran a totally different kind of offense, and there wasn't the best synchronicity uh, between that four. Like I I think that the way that the Lakers play though, will, will take care of that in LeBron's presence in particular, um, as that guy, that's the uniter on the court that is running everything. And, and Darius, if you want to, if you want to check in on that, but that's, that's one area where I think like, wow, incredible upside. These two alone could just come in and give you a, a ridiculous bench offense. But you know, how do you, how does Vogel work that within the team context that they established last season? Well, I would talk even more within the context of skill sets, right? Which is a conversation that we've talked about a lot. And if you were to draw a Venn diagram of Montrez Harrell and Mark Gasol, <laughs> uh-huh. right? You know who's in the middle of that Venn diagram? Hmm. Anthony Davis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because with a player like, like Harrell, who eats, eats 15 feet and in, right? Post-ISO score, pick and roll dive man, can play above the rim, can hit the offensive glass, right? That's one skill set. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a player like Marcus Gasol who can play more pick and pop, delay action player, passer, really smart. Can run the offense passer, as a passer, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, and AD in the bubble was doing a lot more of that stuff as well, right? Playing at the top of the floor, shooting the three ball, playing pick and pop more. He had great chemistry with Alex Caruso, for example, in round one, playing pick and pop against um, the Blazers, right? And when Mike's talking about the the idea of like a single pairing, maybe floating too far out here, right? And, and, and maybe not being as as involved. I actually think the type of bridge players that the Lakers have with, a LeBron, obviously, but with an Anthony Davis too, that there's going to be room for these guys to function within what the type of offense that the Lakers can build out based off of the, the unique and broad talents that players like LeBron and Anthony Davis bring. Right. So when you look at, because when I look at like Harold and Lou Williams versus what Paul George and Kawhi are good at there is no middle of the of the venn diagram there right but with the lakers i think you're going to have enough overlap of skill sets between the main players who you're looking at every night lebron and ad and a lot of the other guys who have the ability to sort of carry an offense within the scope of their role that there's overlap there. And so you can build something out that I think is much more sustainable and, and show more congruency. I would, if I had to guess, um, I would imagine that Matthews and Gasol will start and Gasol would be the, you know, the guy that spares AD from unnecessary minutes at the five again, against, you know, bigger, bigger players. That's a bit of a slower unit, right? But Gasol is very different from JaVale. And, uh, and I just want to take a moment to thank JaVale, thank Rondo um, for just really a a great year in particular. And for just for their time with the Lakers, um, wishing them luck in what they're doing going forward. 
Um, but JaVale and, and Mark Gasol are very different types of players. I suspect that our half-court offense will be significantly better with the starters with Gasol because he can both space the floor and he's a playmaker, right? You can move LeBron a little bit off of the ball with some elbow series touches. Uh, just some of the stuff they can do with screens, man. Uh, just, I can't wait. And then the second unit is Pete, the speed. Quick. Yeah. Real quick on Gasol. And then to get, get back to your point, the, the thing that just the thing that, that I think first about is his defense though. Uh, so he led the oh, Raptors yeah. in net rating last year, but they, they were 98.8 when he was on the floor uh, from a defensive rating and 106.6 when he was off the floor. So the, yeah. the numbers got, he didn't play as well in the bubble. Um, I'm kind of, neither did Harold obviously. Um, and that these are things we can get into as to why, but he's, that is, that is part of what excites me about, you know, some of the defensive personnel that the Lakers lost. Right. And you mentioned Bradley, I think Danny green, um, et cetera, Dwight JaVale, that Mark's being able to being so smart back there. And it's like a different kind of rim protection. He's not going to go up and block a million shots at the rim, but he's, his positioning is going to be so elite there. So Mm -hmm. let me get get back to your point on it, but just the, no, I'm glad you brought provides is exciting. I'm glad you brought that up because the defense that he provides is exciting, but it's also different, right? That's one thing that I think in terms of an attribute where we've taken a pretty significant step back is our shot blocking. Now, rim protection comes in different forms other than just shot blocking, but neither Harrell nor Gasol are the shot blockers that Dwight and JaVale are, right? They are, um, I'm... Again, we'll get into Harold. We'll do a whole pod on him. Harold has some defensive ability that I really think matches our scrambling units. And so that to me, there's not. So again, we'll get into more of this, but like Doc Rivers had him in drop coverages a ton and yuck. Y- yeah, it, it like does not match his skill set at all. It's like a, it's an NFL Sunday. It's like yeah, you want, you putting a. Right. And it's like putting a four, three D defensive end in a three, four scheme as a defensive end and not moving him to outside linebacker, but having him stay at the defensive end. And all of a sudden he's not good anymore. Right. It's like, it's, it's a scheme that he's great at covering space and distance, right? He's Harold is so explosive. That's why I was, when that news broke and I'm talking to, to most of my friends and you guys can attest to this that night, I was just like, Oh my God. I didn't even think of Harold. That was not somebody that I thought was in our range. I'm aware of all of his, the flaws. Again, I've got a lot to say on that. It's for a different show, but Harold's one of the most explosive players in the NBA. He's one of the best offensive big men in the NBA. I've been watching their playoff series, all of them, not just this, this season, but last year against the Warriors. And I'll get into why later he shot 20 for 24 in the first two games of that series against the, the Warriors two years ago in, in the playoffs, he shot 73% from the field for the series against the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, uh, Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins. All of them were healthy for that series. And he shot seven. Draymond could not handle him physically. He is a monster physically. Does he have flaws that can be exposed? Absolutely. But this is my point, is that if he's going up against somebody that can expose those flaws, you know who we played at the five instead? Anthony Davis. Or Mark Gasol, if he's if he can't if Trez can't body Jokic. So, but if you're if you got bad pick and roll defense, or if you've got uh, 
a big who's slow footed and you can throw the ball to, to Harold, who's a better ball handler than I expected him to be. 18 feet from the hoop and he just blows by him and dunks on him. Go watch. If you're listening to the show, go watch Montrez Harrell highlights. Just, just trust me on that. What's up? Well, I, I just want to redirect this to Darius. Cause there's, there's one thing as you're talking about this, that I'm thinking about with, with Harrell on the court with LeBron and AD and just the, the, the sheer ridiculous amount of attention that AD and LeBron draw in, in a different way from Kawhi and Paul George, just because yes. of their, because of the, the pressure that they put on the rim. We're um, going to tear the freaking rim down, Mike. And so, and so when those guys are doing anything, Darius, there's Harrell in the dunker spot. And it's, and it's different. Like JaVale McGee actually did this, some of this stuff quite well. So did Dwight Howard, but it's just a different level of movement and tenacity with Harrell where like, if that ball's anywhere around the cylinder, all of a sudden it's getting dunked and he's screaming um, at the rim and then running back. Like it, that, That's, that's, that's going to be happening a lot. Right. The thing I love about Harrell is his motor and his want for the damn ball. Right. And so I don't know what the hustle stats say. Right. And I don't even know if these will accurately capture what you see when you watch him play. But Harold is a monster just going to the front of the rim and in chasing loose balls that are coming off of the backboard that are shot by teammates. Right. And there are few players in the league, as Mike, you just mentioned, that draw more offensive attention from wherever from whatever position they are on the floor than LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you, you have to account for them at all times. And because they are not pure wings and they can eat themselves in the post and will then drive closeouts, will drive isolations right to the front of the rim. Almost every aspect of those guys' games is help oriented right they are both superstar offensive players that on any team that they are on are going to be the focal point of a defensive game plan and this is why the lakers mike i'm sure this is why you had them as championship favorites last season basically from the moment that the lakers got anthony davis it's it's that fact it's that it's it's that yeah. oh this guy would be the guy that the defenses are keying on every single second that he's on the floor except oh wait there's another guy just like that who he's sharing the floor floor with and the amount of attention you almost always want to say two or three guys are going to be in a position to stop or slow this player down except you've got two that are on opposite sides of the court who's going to benefit off of that is all of the other teammates, right? And we saw that with the Lakers last season, Harrell specifically Harrell from his position as sort of like, I'm going to get to the front of the rim myself. I'm going to attack offensive rebounds. I can be a release valve in the pick and roll. I can be a release valve as like a shallow post player, right? Where he then turns and faces and then just attacks. Those are the type of release valves that the Lakers simply did not have last season with any of their complementary players. But Harrell is one of those, those guys. You know who else is one of those guys? 
Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, thank guys you. Too. This is what I was going to jump in with, and he does it in a completely different way, right? He does that with speed. And that's the thing is that pressure on the rim that Mike was talking about, that that Harrell is going to be putting, Schroeder does that too. And it's in a completely different way. So that's what part of it's We're still built around this same concept of, of putting pressure on the front of the rim, but we've got guys who do it differently in like – this like Trez is more similar to young Dwight from the perspective of like, I'm going to dunk on you over and over and over again than the Dwight that we had last year. Right. Dwight's, I mean, Dwight was still an excellent lob threat, but he was not a guy who like Trez is a guy is a, a 19 and seven guy in less than 30 minutes per game. And obviously we know, you know, way more to look into than that, but he's like, he he's shot, 63% from the field for his career. He's like a 25% usage guy. He's not somebody who's just catching lobs, right? You no. can throw him the ball, clear out that entire side of the court. And if he's got a slow footed dude on him, he's going to bl- blow past him and dunk on him. If he's got a smaller guy on him, he's going to back his ass down and either get to the line or get an and one or get a layup or dunk on him too. Like this is one of the most ferocious players in the NBA. And yes, he's got flaws. It's, and, and these are things we're going to get into. But again, that amount of pressure that we're going to be able to put on the front of the rim, I just, I cannot wait. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to geek out about the, the team that we're starting to see come together. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I wanted to talk about the bench a little bit, right? I. I suspect that Matthews and Gasol will start for Danny and JaVale and they will fill their, their roles. And that first unit will be a little bit on the slower side. And then coming off the bench, coming off the bench, you have Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, 
Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, right? And then one of LeBron or Anthony Davis, right? Last year, it was AD first. He'd close that, that end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter minutes. And then LeBron would start the second quarter, start the fourth quarter with AD on the bench. So again, I want to repeat, say it's the same as last year. LeBron James, Alex Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell. You know how fucking fast that team is? That lineup is a stampede. And I, I'm sorry, that, like, I, I just want to focus on that for a moment. If they, if they play hard, man, yeah, I'm so excited about the possibilities. Well, one of the things that you get with a, a little bit of the, a little bit less continuity, you have the potential to get a little bit more fire from guys mm, that mm-hmm. haven't won before. And when you combine that and, and say, you know, Schroeder and Harrell specifically, and then, you know, Matthews, who is just sort of like that, that's, that's why an undrafted guy, you know, is in the top is what 25th and three pointers made by this point of his career, um, <laughs> because he's got that tenacity to, to keep, to stay in the league for all this time that, that, that is, uh, is super informative. I think about what you're saying as well. And there's a possibility that the Lakers have the best starting lineup and the best bench in mm. the NBA. Now there, like there are units that we can that we can pull out uh, for comparison's sake. And you know, last year in terms of net rating, not to go down that wormhole again, Milwaukee <laughs> had a lot of those lineups, right? Well, especially with the starting lineup. But just in terms of talent, what it is going to take some time to uh, to fit together. But like I, th- this is the other thing that I enjoy about this though is that Vogel could he could very well start either Caruso or Kuzma and have Matthews mm-hmm. off the bench um, if you wanted to. He could start Schroeder. He could start mm-hmm. Harrell. Uh, like at different mm. times, but the, the mm-hmm. point is that you can, you can mix and match all of these guys around LeBron and AD as your main core. Once again, in KCP too, I think he sort of is slight is slotted in there now, right. Mm-hmm. As that yes. guaranteed guy that's yes. going to be starting alongside uh, LeBron and in, in particular with, with green being gone as that two way guy for sure. But that's all it's, it's all exciting. I mean, we're going to need, how many pods can we get in before a training camp starts? Bro, <laughs> like, I, we're going yes. to need some time. We're going to need some time to get into all yes. this. Yes. Yes. The bench. One of the, so look, if you were to rattle off the strengths of last year's team, I would say that defense is at the top right behind that. We already mentioned one was the ability to threaten the front of the rim, especially in the half court, which I think is super important. Number three would almost likely be transition. Transition offense. And it was something we were able to maintain all the way through the finals, right? It wasn't something that went up in the playoffs. It went up in the playoffs. The percentage of Lakers offense generated off of transition. Now, some of that. Part of that's LeBron. Part of that's LeBron just like, all right, it's playoff time. For sure. Let's go. Well, I would say too, that there's a direct correlation between getting a defensive stop and being able to run, right? Yep. So I don't want to diminish the idea that if the Lakers do take a step back defensively, I think it will impact their, their transition offense. That said, they have doubled and tripled down. When you talk about the bench specifically, Pete, the idea of Harrell grabbing a defensive rebound, outletting to Schroeder and then running wide a la like James Worthy did for like the Showtime Lakers. He can handle it too. He can even lead the break. Grab and go. All, all three. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so Caruso can do the same thing. If it's LeBron, who's on the floor with those guys, obviously. So mm. if it's AD, 
the same, obviously, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so like, so Schroeder, Harrell, LeBron, AD, and KCP. That lineup is just blazing. Right. Yeah. It's just mill your face yeah, off, man. Yeah. yeah. That one, you know, Caruso could do that too. But yeah. So that's go, go ahead, Darius. Sorry. That no, but just, just like all those guys, they're <laughs> besides Gasol and Matthews, which I think they will bring a different element to transition. I think Matthews can definitely sprint to deep corner, right? The same way that KCP does. He won't do it with the same speed, but he will offer similar gravity if he's able to get up court that way. Well, and, and he can feel wing too. If, if right, if KCP or Kuz are filling deep corner on that same side, Matthews can hit that wing three. He's good at that shot. Exactly. But Matthews and Gasol can also both be trail three options, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is something that the Lakers have not had a lot of those guys. Danny green was one of the only guys who could be a, tra- a trail three threat. Anthony Davis could do it too, but he wanted to get to the front of the rim, right? And so there, the ability with Gasol especially, one of the things I'm super excited about with him is trail three ability, but also the bringing back of delay action. Yeah, that, we can run half court sets, yes. That, well, also too, early offense. So early, so when... One of the things that I that LeBron that LeBron especially is so is good great point. at I know where you're is, going with this yes is making is making in play decisions on okay is transition there push right okay no it's not there let's get into early offense that's not there okay back it out let's run something right but with gasol gasol is going to make early offense that much more potent for the lakers as a trail option who you can run delay action through delay and then dribble handoff right and so the lakers can have pet actions built into their early offensive sets that they simply did not have last season simply by the presence of having a big man who is as much of a passer and decision maker as Gasol. One of the things that I was super excited about personally last season with the prospect of DeMarcus Cousins being on this team, and we talked about this, Pete, was the idea that the Lakers' big men were going to be put into more playmaking positions Mm -hmm. and that they actually had the guys who could thrive at doing that. Well, didn't work out with Cousins knee injury he missed the the entire season and so the lakers quickly pivoted to dwight howard and that worked out wonderful right obviously Mm -hmm. but with a player like gasol you bring back into the fold a lot of that ability to then play through the top of the key and all of those handoff actions that the Lakers did through horn sets and all of that stuff. What do you think that's going to look like when it's Marcus Gasol, either at the elbow or at the top of the key where you can run action through him that can get a Wesley Matthews, a corner three off of a wide pin down action with Anthony Davis right? Or get that same shot for KCP with a wide pin down action with, well, with LeBron. Imagine if it's running the offense through the top of the key with Marc Gasol. LeBron goes to set a wide pin down for KCP. He sets that screen. KCP darts off and LeBron cuts back door. 
mm. right off and, of that screen. All yes. of this stuff can build on top of itself, and you've just got smart offensive players, but in different positions on the floor than you yes. had them last season. And it opens up so many different types of actions than what you had before. And even more simply with Gasol, he's he's basically made 40% of his threes over the last two seasons. So I think it's uh yeah, like <laughs> 80 for 200 with the Raptors. So if, so if he's, you know, offensively, he's, he's spaced out. The Lakers didn't have that before, right? That's one option. And then you want the dunker spot, bring Harrell in. And so yeah, it's man. just, it's such a nice, it's such a nice yin and yang there, uh, depending on how you want to attack a defense. And then the, the one thing though, that I think is that, that I'm going to ask Frank Vogel about, and I'm curious kind of the way that he'll put it. Like the, the first thing that he said, when we interviewed him when he got the head coaching job was about rim protection and the yes. verticality in that sense. And that, that there is a shift now. And I, so I just wondered now the Lakers still have plenty of it, most notably with AD um, LeBron. We mentioned, you know, Mark's still going to block some shots. He's over a block uh, for his career. And, but that, that part is interesting to me. Like, do they, what are the subtle little shifts that they do? Uh, do they still pressure the same way on the perimeter with Caruso, with KCP, with the shooter, with all these athletic guys did that, that to push back into the pain if Gasol's in a drop coverage like that, that part of it, of it is interesting to me, but it's such a plethora of riches that it's not, I, it's not like a concern. It's just an interest level for me um, as to how they, how they change uh, if at all, or I shouldn't say if at all, how they change and evolve defensively. I'm so glad you brought this up because this was the the thing where I'm like, it doesn't fit Vogel's philosophy historically, this roster defensively, right? That So we've talked about the no roller behind idea, right? The idea that you're the big man on the hedge and that's either Dwight Howard or JaVale last year or Anthony Davis. Let's say it's Dwight. And so he's hedging on a guard on a pick and roll. And then the guy that Dwight was guarding, the big man that set the screen starts to roll. And Dwight's job is to not let him get behind him. Hence, no roller behind. To be able to do that, you got to be able to jump, right? Because those roll guys, as they're rolling into the basket, what's the first option for the guard, as a passer at least, is to lob that up for the dunk. And so you can't play no roller behind with Marc Gasol. He doesn't have the hops to be able to do that. Or, or Although, I'd be curious to hear Lakers coaches. Maybe they could explain to me why, why he could. But that vertical plane, he's not going to be able to control that as much. Trez... Trez to me is more like Trez can get up in the air, but he's more laterally explosive. And so Vogel's challenge will be to play guys to their strengths and to put them in positions to succeed. So like one of the things I've seen about, about Trez is that he's actually really good on, on blitzes. And it makes sense. Like what makes a, an offensive player special is usually what makes them have the most potential on defense. So Montrezl Harold is explosive. He's just naturally an explosive guy. So there's this one play against Dallas in the playoffs, right? Where he did not play particularly well, but they blitzed and they hadn't blitzed the whole series with Trent with Trez at that point. They blitz at the Luca at the top of the key who had been killing them. And so blitz is a trap, right? You got two guys on him. They just sprint at Luca. Like you're going to pass the ball and Luca being Luca whips this incredible two-handed pass to the corner. And the tag guy who had to come over to help on the guy who's rolling to the basket, that was his man that was in the corner. So now it's like, Oh shit, I got to close out to the corner. It's Tim Hardaway jr. Closes out to the corner shot, fake ripped through straight line drive to the basket. Right. Trez is at the top of the key. Having just blitzed, he's got to sprint all the way back 
And he meets Hardaway at the rim and he blocks the shot. That's a crazy amount of distance to cover in that amount of time. Harold's got some talent. Like he's got something to work with there. Can you keep him out of the, the situations where he's not good? That's going to be Vogel's biggest challenge, not just with Harold, but just in general of putting players in units where you could play different styles, right? So we've got our, our probably mostly drop coverage unit in the first unit, right? KCP is not great on switches. So you're not going to be looking to do that as much with that first unit. In the second unit, you can, you can switch more. I think Harold's got some, he's got kind of slow hips. I like he's eh, on, on switches, but he's got something you could do there, but can you get him in scrambles? Can you get him defending a weak side shooter? Who's not like a, a dribbler. That was one thing. One of the few things I liked that doc did with him is put him on the weak side on like uh Brokoff or someone like that. Right. And then all of yeah. a sudden he's making help rotations and all that. Yeah. It's that stuff is, is definitely interesting. What, what I find myself being less concerned about is almost anything to do with the offense. Uh, <laughs> they could just yeah, sort of man. roll the ball out uh, more or yeah. less with, with the amount of firepower uh, Darius they have on that end. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure we could, I'm sure we could, we could spend plenty of time on it, but uh, do you agree with that point that they're, they're going to be able to score just fine? I think they're going to score just fine. I also think one of the things that the Lakers relied on very heavily last season was this idea of, all right, well, LeBron and AD, you guys are going to basically be the fulcrums of the offense. We're not going to do a lot of motioning. We're not going to do a lot of screening there. There was some stuff that he did over the course of the playoffs that I thought helped open guys up. But for the most part, it was a lot of, and Pete and I talked about this on the pod a ton, like, 90s based basketball like isolation like, post-ups like, yep. like we're going to isolate you we're going to post you up um we're going to draw help and then when the help comes we expect you to make the right play right now sometimes the right play is just well i'm bigger and more talented than you i'm just going to shoot over the top and i'm going to score anyway other times the right play is all right well kick out swing swing or oh little flare screen action on the weak side kick to the corner wide open three what the lakers have done particularly with shrewd again with schroeder and with trez is they've gotten two more players who are very comfortable playing in that style of the lebron and ad mold which is mm. i can create my own shot i can collapse the defense i can draw help Right. And on top of that, they can play and pick and roll, which is another action that the Lakers would use, especially with Rondo in the game in order to try to generate advantage. Right. And so but that was the gist of what the Lakers were doing offensively. And they have added more players who fit into that idea. And there's not going to be as much, I think, Mike, struggling to put together like four or five or six minute stretches where LeBron is on the bench and, and saying like, oh, can we tread water offensively? I think it's going to be more, all right, can we be, can we approximate what we want to be defensively enough so that our offense then is just going to bludgeon you and play you off off of the court. One question I had for both of you, though, is when you think about Harrell 
as potentially like an approximation of Anthony Davis, right? And you think of Dennis Schroeder as potentially an approximation of LeBron James within these player roles, right? Like lead right. ball handler. Ball handler. Mm-hmm. How important do you see these guys as being for like big picture view of all the stuff that we've discussed about 72 game season, short turn around December 22 start date for the league, you know, basically 10 weeks off between when the Lakers won the championship and have to start the season. Talk to me some about where you guys are in terms of how much those two guys specifically help the Lakers, like give their top dogs a little bit extra time off a game off here or there. I know you don't like the term Mike, so I'm just going to say it, but let's say LeBron's growing. You, you know, is a little sore from the game a couple of <laughs> days ago. And in order to get him back to, you know, 100%, he needs to maybe take a day off. It feels like feel you could say that more now. succinctly. It feels like you could say that in like two words. No, no, no. We're not going no? to, no, 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 no. Those two words have been banned. Pete. Oh yeah. You've been it's over just a room. lot of words. It's a lot <laughs> I mean, of words to say that idea. Hmm. Yeah. So first of all, <laughs> the, the Lakers were the fourth best offense in the NBA last year before the bubble. So like it's there, there's not that much room in terms of the rest of the NBA for them to grow. Now, Schroeder and Harrell are the two that most directly fit into this. And of course, on a night, just like Koo stepped up into the role last year when LeBron or AD didn't play for whatever reason, um, sore groin, AD had a bunch of stuff uh, that he dealt with throughout the year and mostly played through. And then Koo's would always literally score 20 points every time that happened. Now, if you have more games that whether those guys are in or not, you've got Harrell or Schroeder. And I think Schroeder can control it a little bit more because he's going to have the basketball more. Uh, Of course, those guys can come in and carry that load. And to the point where it's, I'm already, I'm already thinking about sort of the postseason, like in, in just in terms of how these guys all fit together, I'm less worried about how they get like, how they get through the regular season and who's like, there's so much talent that that's going to work itself out. And that's not to say we're not going to we're not going to labor over what exactly is going to happen. But I'm already thinking about just using the regular season to maximize, to tool around, to show different looks to uh, like, how does what is the lineup with Schroeder and AD alone look like? What does the lineup with LeBron and Harrell? How do those two pair opposite? What's Caruso's best use? Not especially with Bradley being uh, being gone. The one thing I think about there is that Caruso has less of a chance to have some minutes vultured uh, in that kind of thing, which I think is exciting. Mm -hmm. And all of that stuff is, is, so I think about Schroeder and Harrell now as, as a part of the whole puzzle. And both of these guys now super motivated and they're coming into a system uh, knowing that this team won last year. And guess who's, guess who's going to get blame if they aren't playing as well. You know, I mean, LeBron always gets blamed, <laughs> right? But still, it's it's like the guys that didn't win last year. And so that adds a little bit of, of, of an extra fire there. So that's that's part of the stuff that I think is uh, is also intriguing about all of these new guys coming in now. And what was, did you guys see LeBron's post on Instagram? And I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it, Darius, you used the word dog earlier. Like that's basically what he said, right? About Schroeder and Harrell, like yeah. them coming in. That's kind of, that's, that's what they are um, as dogs. And so that also takes care of a lot of this stuff. If, if you just come onto this team with this much talent and just be a dog, like 
you're going to be in pretty good shape. So each of these guys fit our culture, right? Like they they're competitors. And that's something that, you know, Schroeder, Harrell, Gasol, Wes Matthews, these are all guys that like bring that on their own. They don't need to, because I think a lot of, a lot of guys, right. A lot of us are products of our environment and especially with, with work, right? Like to me, this is, these numbers aren't right, but it illustrates an idea, right? Like that if you take 10 basketball players two, three of them are going to be, are going to bring it every night, no matter what, because that's who they are. Three of them are going to be touch and go, maybe two of them. Then there are a bunch in between. They could go either way, right? If they're in a good environment, you're going to get the good version of them. If they're in a bad environment, you're going to get a version of them that loses focus, that doesn't run the floor as hard. That And, and they each got, and it's funny, this, this idea, I really want to have the conversation about Trez, right? Because that was called into question last season with his performance in the bubble and, and did he play hard with his, his competitiveness and all that again for, for another time. But these are like Montrezl Harrell is in the NBA because he's got the motor that he has because he's got the explosion that he has. Right. I've been a, a fan of his since, since he was at Louisville, right. Where I believe he won a national championship and, uh, and he's just a, a hyper competitive guy. I don't know if you're looking that up, Mike, but I'll, I'll look that up in a second. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah. So these are these are guys that bring that to the environment. So from a regular season perspective, and they're 26 and 27 years yeah, old. Yeah, man. Guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, they, they won in 2013, Pete. You're you're on it. Yeah. A guy who has not gotten a lot of shine yet, right? And so we've talked a lot about Marcus Hall. We've talked a lot about Dennis Schroeder. We had a whole pod about him. Pete's foaming at the mouth to like give you uh, a 90 minute clip of, you know, breakdown of Montrez Harrell's game. A guy I really like is Wes Matthews, man. Yeah. Like, I, he, like he's the one I'm least like, I'm like, I like Matthews. He's the one I'm least excited about. Talk to me. It's not about, so he's not an exciting player. So of course no one's sure. excited about sure. him, right? <laughs> he is, but he is a, when you talk about guys who fit the culture, there is also a hard hat, like do your job, mm-hmm. professional mindset yeah. that is part of the bloodlines of why this Lakers team was successful last season right? Like LeBron obviously brought that AD obviously brought that, but part of the culture of a guy like Avery Bradley and Danny green and Alex Caruso. I think we saw a bunch of that from KCP last season. Right. I I thought that Dwight Howard, what like everyone talked about like, Oh, best behavior Dwight. There was a lot of that with him in terms of (laughs) what he was bringing like on the court. And that's where I'm excited about Wes Matthews and also just his tenacity to compete defensively. Right. And so he is not the same type of defender as Danny green. He is not this sort of weak side um, help defense savant. When you talked about the Lakers have lost shot blocking, they lost shot blocking when Danny green walked out the door too, because he was one of those guys who was a weak side helper. He would help down a bunch, get a bunch of strip Mm -hmm. downs, a bunch of challenges on big men from behind and sort of knocking the ball ball away. He, he was great at that, but what Wes Matthews does 
defensively is sort of like what Avery Bradley did, mm-hmm. but instead he does it against wings and bigger wing players. I saw him say, you know what, Kawhi Leonard, like I'm getting in your jersey. Like yeah. you want to rip two twenty. Yeah, uh-huh. you want to rip solid. through yeah. and drive by me. Well, guess what? You're gonna have to muscle me off, and I'm a strong dude too, right? And so there is a when you talk about dog and being a dog, right? Like he doesn't do it with athleticism. He doesn't do it with speed. He's not gonna ram the ball down your throat. But what he is going to do is, oh, you try to bring that swing through with like the elbow. Mm-hmm. He's gonna stand in there. He's gonna stick yeah. his nose nose in there. He's gonna chest you. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm excited I, to have a guy like that on the wing defensively because the Lakers did not have that against bigger wing guys last year outside of LeBron and AD. I love Matthews. Uh, I, I always have. I, I think the initial reason what you just mentioned, Darius, I think that the reason he didn't get drafted is because of some of those measurables like, you know, uh, his vertical jump and that kind of stuff. And he's like, really? Like, dude, my, my dad won two chips with the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> like, I know, I know what it takes in this league, man. Like, I've seen it since I was a kid. Um, I'm a dog. I work my ass off. And do you guys want to take a guess at his career low percentage from three? Any season is oh, the, wow. the lowest that he's See, ever I, shot from three. So I feel like this is cursed because I feel like every Lakers shooter automatically loses five to 7% off of there. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be in the 2021 season. Cause that's our karma, but gosh, uh, I'll say 35 and a half percent. Okay. That's a high mark for a career low uh, Darius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say probably like, like 34, 34.4, something like that. Yeah. So, so 36% right? in 2015, 16 uh, against Dallas. And he took 6.7 attempts that year mm. and 36%. So, so for career, he's 38.1% on 5.5 attempts. Like that is on mm. offense. He's going to be parked out there and he, he's not like, he's not streaky in the sense that he's not going to shoot. You know, he, he's not like a great shooter where he's going to shoot in the high forties um, ever. I mean, his career high, I think is 40% going back to his, but he's always between 36 and like 39. And he's, he doesn't care if it's playoffs. He has no F's about when he's going to shoot. So that right there plugs in perfectly to what you want from a spacer on offense. And then defensively, as Darius just touched on some of the points, but he, he ranked third on the bucks last year, in defensive rating. And again, he's not going to pop off the sheet, but for when, when you get him for the number that they got him in terms of salary yeah. and, and there I saw, I wish I could remember where I, where I saw it and I could give credit, but his numbers are basically the exact same as Danny greens from last I, that, year, ex, except I wrote the it. contract. I okay, think so you got the, those numbers right for me. You know like, what? Yeah. yeah that's then the four gold.com. Shout, shout me out to out. you that, Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> It was going around a little bit on the internet so that you may not have been the only one, but now, now in my heart, you're the only one Thank that you. saw that you Thank are the you. only person uh, that pulled that together. So yeah, man, well, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of his and whether that's in a starting role, which I think he can hold up just fine, yeah. whether that's in a backup role to Caruso, to Kuzma, to, to uh, Schroeder, to however uh, Vogel wants to deal with it. Um, I, that was the kind of thing where when you look out there and think, okay, how many guys can, can you, is the other team not going to target in a playoff series? Mm-hmm. And if Wes Matthews is on the court, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not worried that some team is going to post him up with a big wing and like beat him up down there. Like Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. it, like that's, he's one of the guys where I'm feeling just fine. 
about that. So I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him. Pete, do you want to, do you want to weigh in on, on a bit of hesitancy that it sounded like you had? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the spoiled kid at Christmas, right. And that my biggest complaint about Wes Matthews is that he's not six foot six. And he, yeah. I, I would love to have a six. Again, I'm Mike. I, I see the look on your <laughs> No, I'm just I, like, it, he's heard this before. Right. And like, like, it's, it's just, it's, that's, what's fun about him. Right. Cause it's kind of like, that's the whole reason why I didn't get dragged, all that stuff. So it plays, but it does it. matter. It does matter in defensive situations. It, it there, does. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler did win a lot of possessions in part because of his size and the size advantage over. And, and this is something that's important against very few players in the NBA. Right. But they tend to be on the better teams and deeper into the playoffs. Right. So we do lose something by not having Danny Green's ability to drop down and help to provide back pressure where that guard's got to lean a little bit more forward. Right. What was it? 2.6 million that he's getting like at his price 3.6. When we were talking uh, in the preview for this, I was talking about how I didn't feel like there was a wing defender out there that I was feeling and with regards to the MLE in particular that like, like, look, I would love Jeremy Grant signed with Detroit for $20 million. Right. Hey, like the kind of guy that I wanted was not available for yeah. the type of price range that we had. And that's for like why I, w- I was saying, Hey, let's go some, get somebody who's better at a different position. Right. And we did exactly that in Montrez Harrell. And we got a wing defender, in West Matthews, it's just that that's going to matter to some degree. Again, it's yeah, but you small- but you just answered you just answered your own question though. When when that is the like third or fourth player best player on your roster, that's super yes. important. Yes. Okay. Like then it's super if you if you you have to have that guy and guess what the Lakers have in these tight postseason games: uh-huh. LeBron right. or AD to a lesser extent Kuzma to a lesser extent KCP to a lesser extent Caruso. And then like. It's, but at the top, yes, you have to have those kind of guys and they do, but when it's like your Uh 10th, ninth or 10th guy, then you're chilling, which which you've also elucidated just fine. So yeah, like like, we're not disagreeing. We're not disagreeing. The spoiled kid at Christmas. It's just the one, one of the few things we don't have the shot blockers, but that's fine. Cause I think we got a great defender in Marcus all. I think that Harold is going to be much better on defense for us than he was with the Clippers. Cause I think Vogel will put him in more of a position to succeed. Schroeder's got defensive ability. That's the thing is that everybody that we brought in is good at something on defense. And in Harold and Schroeder's case, they're both good in the same way. And that I think if you're aggressive on defense with both of those guys, that kind of plays to the things that they do best. So again, spoiled kid on Christmas, just, Oh, where's my six foot seven wing defender with a seven, two wingspan. You know, I'm a Laker fan. So I, I that's like the, one of the few things where I'm like, Hey, but at that so price this is, point, this is your second, this is replaced the secondary <laughs> ball handler that you worried about all last year. No, 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 no. That was like text you a million times about like, Pete, it's fine. Uh, like they get to the to playoffs. Be don't fair, to be fair. We started last season with Quinn cook and Troy Daniels in the rotation. And Yes, we got better, and and Alex Crusoe did not get was the NPs. Pete, was it long. fine? Was it fine or not? It was absolutely year. fine, Mike. You were Thank right. You. you were right. However, I'm worried about this way less than I was worried about that. <laughs> okay, and I just make one. More, that's good for yeah. Can <laughs> I just make one more point about Wes? In that I like his build, even against bigger wings. I know that guys. I know that bigger guys will be able to shoot over the top of him. What I like about West specifically against those bigger guys is his strength 
is his lower. Oh, D, do you know? Do you know how much he weighs? It, it, like it almost surprised me yeah. in the press release. Like, what is he? Two like thirty? He's, he's listed at two twenty. So two twenty. Like, and like six yeah, four, like, two twenty. That's a yeah. big dude. That's big, so, dude. That's a big base. I just wanted to underscore Darius's point there. Like that's mm-hmm. that's 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 some solid uh, some solid base there. And he's got a low center of gravity. So Pete, one of my basketball philosophies is always that basketball is almost always about angles and it's about being able to get to a spot on the floor where you have created the separation, right? Of all the stuff I loved about Kobe Bryant, it was his understanding of angles and his ability to say, you know what, like this is actually a 30 degree angle that I need to take instead of that 45. Because when I take that shorter angle, I am getting to this spot instead of that spot. And when I'm at this spot, I'm going to score easier, right? And it was a mind game with him as much as it was a physical game. And when you have a player like Matthews, who is who is shorter, but is stockier and is stronger, the angles you have to take in order to get by a guy like that are different because he's playing lower and he is able to take something away that against guys who are like sized, you get easier against those Mm. guys. It's the thing Mm -hmm. that I always have Mm. talked to you about Shaq, for example, that it wasn't all those years that people were just like, Oh yeah, let's load up on the Jerome James's and the Oster tags and the Dikembe (laughs) Mutombo's and all of those guys, right? All those guys who were the same height as Shaq, Shaq just brutalized those dudes. The dudes he did not brutalize were the Dennis Rodman's, Mm -hmm. the Malik Rose's. They were stylistically different. Than right, he was the, low base yeah. guys, low base the, guys, like the low base them. guys, right? Yeah, because those guys played wider, they got underneath his hips, and it was harder to move those guys. And so, when you're talking about power wings, I don't necessarily always want the six seven or six eight guy. One of the reasons why LeBron is just a freak of nature is that not only is he six nine, but he's freaking two hundred sixty pounds. And so when he decides mm. he's going to play with a wide base, guess what? You're not moving that dude at all. You're bouncing off of him, and 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 he's going to control the space. And that's the part about Matthews that I like. And so Danny Green was tall, but he was also strong and mm-hmm. wide, right? It fits, with so, like Gasol, it fits with like Gasol versus uh, JaVale too, right? Same thing with, with that. Yes. That's why Jokic, right, can have some more success against JaVale, but he's not gonna be able to move Mark in that same way, right? Right, yeah. right. And, and so I, that's one of the things I like about Wes that I think is going to be a, a nice little wrinkle that the Lakers did not have outside of LeBron last year when you're talking about defensive wings because Danny's strength as much as he was good was more off ball strength, right? Like, yes. oh, you're mm-hmm. trying to move me? Like the way that Duncan Robinson was like pushing around Alex Caruso some and pushing around um, KCP some mm-hmm. in order to move off of screens, you're not pushing off a guy like Wes Matthews, just like they weren't pushing off Danny green that same way. So that Mm -hmm. functional strength is going to matter. And, and I'm glad they got a player like Matthews who can hold up in all of those different types of situations because of his strength. So I think it can be an an advantage to him a little bit. 
as you're explaining that, I'm realizing that Matthews plays into the same, like Matthews in the context of wing defense plays into the same idea of if we don't have a guy, if you can't defend this guy because of your limitations, we have another guy who does. Now, this is something that like neither the other guy is not elite at it, but if Matthews is great at having that strong base and is great at, at holding his spot, but is being shot over the top of, right? Something something about his height is what is being burned by that particular player, that particular team. You know who's really good in those circumstances is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. That's the guy. Kyle Kuzma is weak against somebody who can go through him, right? So Wes Matthews is the natural counter, the natural complement yeah. to Kyle Kuzma's defense. That's a good Because point. if somebody's going through Kyle Kuzma, he's not going through Wes Matthews. If somebody's going over the top of Wes Matthews, they're not going over the top of Kyle Kuzma because he's got that, that complimentary height, right? So now there are a couple of guys, I think of like Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler, like neither guy I don't think can guard, <laughs> can guard those guys. But that's, I think when we get more into the AD and LeBron type territory, but yes. the point, is, the point is that we've got all of these guys who are capable of being stars in, uh, in their role and who have very clearly defined things that they do well. And that mm-hmm. in the context of role players is really important. And what we learned last year is that, and this is, it's fun for us to have all these discussions, but like the good news for the Lakers is that Vogel is good at figuring this stuff out. And so that's why the starting, this closing lineup shifted so much during the regular Mm -hmm. season is that, is that he figured out which within each matchup. And as the course of the game went on that, okay, you need a little bit more uh, base down low. Like Pete just mentioned with Wesley Matthews, this is a good matchup for him to be the, the guy that's more likely on the floor in that situation. You know what? This is more of a Caruso game. This is more of a, of a Trez right. at the five eighty at the four game. This is more of a Mark, like against Denver, it's probably more of a Marcus all uh, mm-hmm. matchup or, or expand that to a playoff series. You know, maybe West West Matthews is needed a little bit more against the Clippers. Uh, if you think about Kawhi, you know, mm-hmm. and Paul George. So like these, these are, I think these are all things that were considered when Polinka and, and Vogel and the rest of the brain trust sat down. And that's, there are a lot of answers, Darius, uh, out there for whatever comes their way. And there isn't another West team. There are teams that got better. We talked about that a little bit. Portland got better. Dallas got better. Uh, some other teams, Phoenix got better, but there isn't a team that, that got better. Uh, that was already as good as the Lakers. And then also got better in, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm just excited, man, for all the talk about, running it back that we had just, you you know, a few weeks ago. And the Lakers have built really a similar but divergent team than the one that they won the championship with. I think that this team can be so good. I also think that when you have LeBron and AD, you have the luxury of building divergent teams that can win in a totally different style, right? And... Reminds me some of, of like when LeBron went from those heat teams that played one style. And then he went to the Cavaliers team that played a totally different style. And both teams won a championship. Both teams were at the top of the league, if not in terms of winning at all, but like right there as, as a contending team. And the Lakers, I think are showing that we were a defense heavy team last year. We can be, a more offensively skewed team this year while still having defensive identity and compete 
for a championship. And yeah. if there's an idea of anything that I'd love to close with, it's just that the Lakers again, built a contending team and Pete, you and I didn't talk about, I think we had a con like a podcast titled the Lakers are championship contenders. And that was maybe like 40 or 45 games into the season. Now the Lakers are, are grandfathered into the contender discussion based off the fact that they just won a championship, but there could have been a bunch of ways where they took like real steps backward just based off of limitations and who they could or could not sign. If they held over too many guys and didn't necessarily improve, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. They did not get complacent. They shot for the stars again, in terms of trying to build up their talent base. They got younger, they got more athletic in key positions and they are not quite running it back but they are running forward all the same. And, hey. and they look like a damn good basketball team. They got to play the games, of course, but I'm excited, man. Yeah, I got to do the work. Got a long road ahead of us. But boy, oh boy, if the job of a front office is to put together a talented team that represents a bunch of different skill sets, um, <laughs> hard, hard to think they could have done it any better than they've done so far and still got a few moves to go. This pod could be three hours long, but we're going to wrap it up here. We will be back on Wednesday with our general NBA pod. A lot's going on around the league, so we'll hit a lot of that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, Unbelievable. the victory. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.